Today we're going to talk about how you can follow up effectively after Easter services. Are you ready? Because it's time. You're listening to the Church Digital Sidekick Podcast, part of the TCD Podcast Network. Hey heroes, my name is Tom Pounder and this is the Church Digital Sidekick Podcast. This is the podcast where I bring on ministry leaders and we talk about how you can do ministry more effectively in this very digital and online world. And today I have two guests with me. This is from a Twitter space that we did a little bit ago, but these two guests are friends of mine and they're Mark McDonald and Jeanette Yates. These are church comm leaders who are just amazing people and they have amazing insights uh, on church communications and more particular about following up. I've invited Mark and Jeanette on because they've been in the church communications world for a really long time and they're really great about strategizing and encouraging churches on how to do church communications more effective. And today we talk about following up from Easter. Easter is a great day. It's a huge celebration. Lots of people come to Easter, some for the very first time. And that is why following up after an event like Easter is so important. Because after all, if you capture information and you're just like, oh, these people came and just said they came and tracked the number, but then don't encourage them or follow up with them in some way, we're missing a huge opportunity to help impact the kingdom of heaven. We're missing a huge opportunity for helping people discover who God is, not just on Christmas and Easter, but all throughout the year and the rest of their lives. So Mark and Jeanette are on with me and we discussed this. This is a little bit longer podcast than I normally do because we spent a while talking about uh, Easter and the effective follow-up strategies, but I hope you enjoy this podcast so, without any further ado, let's get in the interview with Mark and Jeanette talking about effective follow-up from Easter services. With me today is Mark McDonald and Jeanette Yates. Uh, they are two friends of mine, uh, and again, I've met them both online, and they both live in Florida, uh, but I've still never met them in person. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, um, and perhaps that's because you haven't sent me your address yet. <laughs> that's true. That's, that, that is true. Why don't, why don't you just tell it right now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is 26. Oh, wait a second. No. I, I should do, since it's April Fool's Day, I should do a, you know, a fake address. I should send everyone to Jeanette's house. Well, I don't even yes. know Jeanette's address. So. Exactly. Isn't it yeah. Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington? <laughs> yeah, sixteen hundred. I was trying to think of a, another famous address that wasn't yeah. that, but I could like <laughs> like two two seven. What was the name of that street? Oh, you know I know the I mean? show, but I don't remember the street. Okay, right, you so all. Well, there's Ses- oh, there's one two three Sesame Street. That's yeah. there we go. There we go. <laughs> Something everybody knows. Um, That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, as we get into this, um, why don't you guys, I mean, introduce yourselves. We've been kind of beating around the bush a little bit about it, but Mark, why don't you introduce yourself? And then Jeanette, after he's done, you can introduce yourself about what you guys do and how you guys got started in that. Oh, wow. So I can't believe I get to do what I get to do. And and I think that um, so I just came back from breakfast with a, a really good friend who we just talked about this, about how, you know, when we become believers, I mean, I believe that we're ordained into an incredible uh, opportunity to be able to share uh, the love of Christ with as many people as possible. And guess what I get to do? I mean, uh, originally I, I am Canadian, eh? <laughs> and uh, and I uh, made my way, clawed my way to the top of one of Eastern Canada's largest ad agencies as senior creative director. Uh, and the whole time that I was I was trying to make it to the top, I just kept thinking, so why doesn't the church know this? And so my wife and two boys and uh, myself, we moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, 21 years ago and uh, set up an agency for churches and to really help them uh, communicate better, but ultimately so that our churches can be known for something that's relevant and needed so that we can just get our community to actually listen again to our churches. So I, uh, I get to do that on a regular basis, and I'm also the executive director for Center for Church Communication, and we influence about 10,000 churches across the country. That's, that's awesome. That's great. Jeanette. Mark is so amazing, isn't he? He is. He's got a great stories, And he only mentioned like one thimble full of his experience and expertise. Right, right. But anyway, uh, 
I am Jeanette and I, let's see, I got started in church communications probably um, more than eight years ago, nine, 10 years ago, maybe. And I just was basically like filling in for somebody and I was writing bulletin articles and that was about it. Um, and by the time um, I realized I was working there full time, I was doing social media, website, email, um, all kinds of communication, internal, external, graphic design, all of that. And I learned everything I learned by going to the internet and typing in, what is this and how do I do it? (laughs) And so (laughs) I um, definitely um, credit um, Church Marketing Sucks with introducing me to the likes of um, the, you know, Brady Shear and and all those people who kind of taught me and walked me through Mm-hmm. Like what exactly was church communications and how it was more than just an administrative position, but it was a ministry and a, and a, a way to, to serve um, the kingdom. So yeah. um, anyway, I did that for a few years and then um, gradually found my way to now where I work for a company that works with churches. I am the community manager for Texan church and spent a lot of time on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, hanging out with <laughs> uh, church communicators and helping them feel known, noticed, and loved. And yes. anybody who is not following Jeanette on social media <laughs> needs to follow her because she is the biggest motivator and encourager on the entire internet. Yeah. I I am very excited for other people and what's going on in their lives. And if you, I really feel like, uh, that giving people um, encouragement in the form of kind words or funny gifts is kind of, you know, my spiritual gift is gifts. You, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, is there, are there spiritual gifts now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. there are. <laughs> the uh, gifts is, it really is. It's, it's, a spiritual gift. I mean, to be able to share those strategically and great, I mean, you've got to be good at that. And Jeanette's really good at that. (laughs) You know, I think that there should be a book called the, the best spiritual gifts. Let's work on it, Mark. Let's work on it. I think so. Or Mark, you can write a book, be known for gifts. (laughs) There you go. Um, okay, so we could talk about gifts for a really long time, but today we're actually talking about <laughs> Easter and we're talking about Easter follow-up because he- here's the deal. A lot of churches do a lot of good stuff for Easter, but if you do all the good stuff leading up to Easter and even on Easter Sunday, but if you don't have a follow-up plan, I think a lot of what you do is for, for not. And, um, and it's wasted stuff that you've done because follow-up is where the key is. So that's why I got Mark on. I've got Jeanette on because when I think about follow-up, I think, you know, Jeanette's great about this. Mark's great about this, about the communication stuff. And so we've talked about these before. I've talked to them separately about these. But together as a group, I just figured we could go back and forth and, and share different insights, different learnings, different tips that you've seen to be effective over the years. So whoever wants to start, whether it's Jeanette or Mark, we'll just kind of go back and forth and, and share and, and kind of debrief and discuss it as we go about. But what, what have you guys seen to be effective in your experience? Mark, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that the, 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 and maybe this is going to be a little bit of a soapbox, but, um, but I, uh, I don't know whether you, everyone has realizes it or not, but churches love to change the message all the time. And I think that we need to figure out, and I, and I know that this is my big mantra and, and, you know, I did write the book called be known for something. And, and it really is about concentrating on one message long enough so that you become known for it. And if it's the right message, then, then people will actually choose you and want to choose you say after Easter. Mm-hmm. So, so what I've oftentimes found is that in a lot of churches, it seems like Easter is an incredibly different 
service, an incredibly different experience than what you would have before Easter. You know, I, I get to travel and do mystery visits and churches and things like that. And I'm, I've stopped uh, actually visiting churches at Easter time or, or at Christmas time or any special time because their service, and I hate to say this, but it's so much better on those, those mm. uh, weeks. So then you say, we're so glad that you're here at Easter uh, and you've experienced the, the, you know, the biggest explosion of lights <laughs> and haze that you've ever seen in your entire life. And so we want you to come back and then you come back and, and it's lackluster. Like, mm-hmm. and the, and the, and the student pastor's preaching. That's because <laughs> yes, everyone is totally exhausted afterwards. And I think that what we need to figure out is how do we, how do we create something that's the same before Easter, during Easter, and then continuing it after Easter? So I think that my biggest thing is, you know, because it might be a little too late now to go to your pastor and say, we need to tone this down. But, but what we need to do is we need to make sure that the expectation is not going to be so huge and and the bar raised so high that you'll never be able to have the people come back and and like what what they just experienced at Easter and I think that we I mean by raising the bar every year to do more and more stuff at Easter I think that you're you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because you can't sustain it afterwards. And I know that that really didn't answer your question, Tom, but by now <laughs> you should know that I don't always answer your questions. <laughs> That's great. But I, that, let's, we, we do want to hit on this a little bit because I do think what you present on Easter really needs to be consistent with who you are, you know, as a church, you know, and if, if you're not certain things that if you try to do church so differently on Easter than you do during the rest of the week, you're right. You're going to disappoint a lot of people and they're going to have false expectations of what your church is actually like. So I would think what I see in that is, you know, you want your Easter services to be consistent and you want your Easter services to really display just, again, the culture that your church is all about, you know? Oh, for sure. And, and the thing is, is that um, a lot of people who set foot in the church for the very first time will ha- it will happen you know during either christmas or easter and and when they arrive um th- the churches that know who they are and know what they're all about and the ones that communicate it effectively during their easter service it's it's so much easier for you to to pivot towards we would love for you to come back so that you can experience and then be able to fill in the blanks of what, Mm -hmm. what they'll be able to experience at the church. Yep. It's interesting that you brought that up, Mark, because um, in some of the Facebook groups that I manage, you know, we've been kind of talking about like, what is your plan for Easter? And what is your plan for, you know, follow up? We've been having these conversations and, Almost everybody, there's a few people that are, you know, doing the brass band (laughs) or the string quartet or the, it's the handbells and the pageant and all that. There's a couple of those, but for the most part, people are saying our Easter Sunday service is going to be just like every other service. That's awesome. We're just doing the stuff that we normally do. One person talked about how they normally like some of them are adding that sunrise service but it's again just going to be a service that's the same as their other services at sunrise it's not um anything different as far as the structure of it or the music or anything like that and then you know i had a i had one person in the in my facebook group say um that you know every year they do this huge like breakfast you know, garden party thing, um, for Easter Sunday. And it's, you know, they, it's catered and and all this stuff. And he said that this year, what they're doing is they're just asking their members to bring muffins that they bought from the store Mm. as part, like, like just everybody bring bring your own muffin. Um, and we are still going to gather and, and fellowship with each other, but you know, we're not doing this big over, overstated thing. And so I think there is this, and I think part of it is 
you know, yes, part of it is what you're talking about, Mark, is like people, you know, churches need to be consistent and want to be. But I think it's also, um, you know, we're everybody's tired. We've been, yeah, <laughs> we've been on high alert for uh, two years now, two and a half years and high stress. And so the, you know, it used to be that like Easter was going to be that big stressful thing. And then we kind of relax after, well, now it's like, no, we're already maxed out already. Yep. Like we don't need to add anything to make it that way. So I think this idea of having that, you know, understated or, or, you know, not all the bells and whistles for Easter you know, the most important thing is to connect with your church family and then any anybody who joins in that Sunday, like you said, sometimes for the first time where they can come in and, and not feel like they're interrupting a play. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I walk on stage? <laughs> yeah, um. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. It, well, go ahead, Mark. Well, it's, it's so funny because... Um, one of the things that I also do for churches, I do focus groups and I talk to individual demographics of each of, of the churches that I'm working with. And, and we, I always ask, can you, can you also get an unchurched group, people who are not associated with any church in the area? They might've attended your service in the past, but, but have them sit down in a room. And, and I find it very challenging because, um, they all think I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, the church or or try to win them to the Lord or, or whatever. But what I've found is that um, people who are in the community who are totally unchurched or people who don't really uh, associate themselves with church, which is about two thirds of all of our communities. So we have a huge opportunity when somebody walks through the doors, they all think that they're going to get struck by lightning. And when they <laughs> When they leave, they're somewhat surprised. I didn't get struck by lightning, but I felt something that I haven't ever felt in another live venue. And I think that what we need to do is we need to be very, very sensitive of that. And in the same sense of what we were just talking about, we need to give voice to what they experienced and and be able to um, have them understand uh when somebody says, so I hear you went to church on Sunday, woo, like, are you religious now? <laughs> that they, they need to be able to use some words to be able to describe what they experienced. And I think that in the communication world, I think that we need to make sure we're giving them those words so that they know what they just experienced. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like that because, again, uh, you know, when when I'm looking at like the Easter service, one of the things I thought is like, how are we casting vision about what our church is actually about? Because I think a lot of people who are coming into church for the very first time are wondering, well, what is this church all about? Oh, it's just they have preconceived notions about what church is. This is your opportunity to cast vision to say, this is what our church does. This is what we're about. And this is how like I even thought, like, what could we do a one minute video or 90 second video that we show during mid-service about what our church is all about. Because again, it's all part of the communication process. You're trying to break down walls. You're trying to get them to say, wow, this, this church is different than something I've ever experienced before. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is that um, what you're talking about, you know, oftentimes when we think about follow-up for Easter, we, we, you know, quickly go to, you know, how many emails do we send somebody or how many text messages that we have to send somebody. But, but ultimately what we need to do is have them understand what they just experienced and that it can happen again. You can come back and experience this again. And the more you can know who you are before Easter and then when they've experienced it at Easter, you can promise uh, you know, the same thing afterwards or the same benefit. Um, you know, this happens every week of the year and we would love for you to participate. And the joy of COVID, I can't believe I just said that in all this <laughs> sentence, but the joy of COVID is that everyone expects that there's also a way to do this online. So if you can't come back next week or if you can't come back on a regular basis, you might be visiting, you can still experience our, our church online. 
Okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty here about this. And, you know, you talked about how many emails, how many text messages, what should you do? Like, what what are some things that you guys have found to be successful here um, uh, that will not will will. Yeah, just continue this conversation on with with people and get them to come back to church and hopefully discover who God is in their life. Yeah, so it's so since you mentioned something, (laughs) since you mentioned texts and emails. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'll chime in here. Um, yeah, so I, you know, yes, I do work for Text and Church, which is um, a, a software company that helps you send texts and emails to your guests and your members. You know, I do agree with Mark, and I think anybody I work with would say the same thing that it's not, there is no magic number of emails or texts that you can send to get somebody to come back. Um, (laughs) What you want to do with what, whatever follow-up process you come up with is you want to start the conversation during that service, right? Start that, you know, the, the question asking in their, you know, in their minds, like, what am I experiencing? What am I, you know, is this the way it is all the time? What, you know, they're asking these questions, your follow-up process needs to answer those questions Mm -hmm. um, that they're having. And like Mark said, give them the language um, to be able to express that. So, um, you know, I think that's what the follow-up process does. And, you know, I think whether it's Easter Sunday or really any Sunday, it's got to be, um, a consistent follow-up. Um, it's got to be a sufficient follow-up and you've got to use relevant methods to do it. So, um, you know, we can talk a little bit more about that, but I think, you know, that's another thing to think about is one gift that they get to take home on Easter Sunday or one card mailed to them or one email or even one or two texts is not, is, is not sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good, Jeanette. And, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of text and church. I, I mean, it is, a, it's like the, well, I better say just to keep peace, one of the best <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> software that's out there. And, uh, and they certainly, um, are, are the best because they employ Jeanette. Um, <laughs> Thanks Mark. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, what we what you really have to is kind of like even if we were talking about social media, uh, do what it takes to get them to follow along. So like oftentimes I'm just amazed at how many times in a church service there are, people are like, if you're visiting today, fill out all of this information for us on the connect card and put it in the offering plate. Like you never see everyone jumping for it. It's like, oh, man, I would love to do that. Like there, number one, people need to know what happens when you right. when you give some information, and number two, uh, give them a reason to like like find out what they might want. Like maybe integrate with your pastor a way for him to talk about a book that has just changed his perspective on the resurrection and then for him to say in fact this book i don't even know whether like it's it's usually sold out everywhere but if you guys wanted to text us right now we will mail you one this week and then all of a sudden it's like you've you've increased the the desire to want to to get something and then i know a lot of churches would go oh my goodness do you know how much that cost in mail well, the thing is, there is a cost for them to give you their personal information. And we've got to figure out what is the cost and are we going to actually give them something in return for that personal information? And I find that churches just drop the ball. Yeah. And I also don't think it even needs to be, like you said, you need to let people know what's going to happen when they give you their information. And it does not have to you know, something like a book or a devotional or, or something would be great, but it doesn't, I mean, people will give their private information, their cell phone number to the smoothie store to get 10% off a smoothie. Yes. It doesn't have to, 
they know they're going to get 10% off a smoothie. They're going to give them that number. That's yeah. it. You know, it's not that they're holding on to it so tightly. They just need to know what to expect. And, and it's something they want to your point, Mark is like, yeah, I want my 10% off my smoothie. Maybe um, we could have that. They didn't, ha- they don't have to give offerings for the next two weeks. <laughs> I just, as soon as you said 10%, like we immediately went to the tithe. It's like, yes. I think in scripture, it talks about how, if we give our, our email or our phone number to the church, we don't have to tithe for a couple of weeks. Yes. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's right there in Deuteronomy. <laughs> I love, I love the idea of this incentivizing um, it because again, your, your information is valuable and you only give it out when you feel like you're going to benefit from it in some way. And so again, w- we talk about our church, Hey, you know, Texas is uh, do your digital connection card and we'll get you information about the church. Well, that's probably not good enough <laughs> for people to, to do it because they can just get the information in the bulletin or whatever else there is out there. Um, but- well, oftentimes the, the the thing that we get back or the, the thing that we're, we hear, you know, give us give us uh, all of your information so it helps us. And then mm. it becomes more about the church than it does about the benefit of the person who's giving up something. And so, so the cost, I get, that's why, that's why the smoothie shop says you get 10% off if you give us your, your information and, and then totally respect that information. Like that you just treat it, treat it so preciously. Cause if, if you knew how many times I, <laughs> I uh, type in stop, moments afterwards because i i wanted the 10 percent off you know i was just in chicago last week and um and i sat down and they said well we no longer have menus you can just scan this qr code well when i went to the qr code it required me to put all the personal information in and i'm thinking just to see a menu are you kidding me and then at the bottom it said the magic word it says and we'll give you 10 percent off your first meal and then I thought, okay, I'll do this. So I gave them all their information. But over the next two days, I got bombarded with, um, you know, they wanted to get me to come back. And and I just, it's like, stop, I'm done. Yeah. And and you, it's hard to get someone back after they've left you. Well, and I think, you know, you bring up a good point. And I actually talked about this in, um, in an, another podcast recently um, about how... Um, Actually, was it yours, Tom? I don't remember. No, it could have um, been yours. No, yeah, it might have been uh, the church juice one. But, um, you know, yes, you, we have to be better than the smoothie shop or the restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people know, yeah, I'm going to get this 10% off and I'm just going to text stop later. They text stop not because of the fact that they're getting more texts than they want, they're texting stop because they're getting more texts than they want that don't give them anything. Yes. So yeah. if, you know, if you're engaging them in conversation, if you're connecting with them on a personal level, that's not spam. If you're just going, come to our church, come, come on Sunday. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. We hope to see you Sunday. Oh, we missed you on Sunday. That's, that's not going to cut it. That's just going to make people want to run away and text word stop. But if you're yeah, inviting, and, yeah. And Jeanette, don't you find that, that the church doesn't really have a roadmap oftentimes uh, as to what they're going to do with that personal information? Yeah, I think that's part of the problem is they really don't know. Um, that's why they typically ask for all of it. <laughs> like, yeah. I want all, I want to know how, you know. How many you, children how did you, you hear have? about us? Are you married? Yeah. How many kids do you have? How old are you? Um, are you interested <laughs> in learning more about any of these ministries that we have? Here's all 15 of them. Please check one of them. I mean, because they're like, we just need all this information so that we can make a better decision instead of saying, really, I just want to know your name and how I can get in touch with you so I can get to know you better. Yeah. And it's, it's somewhat crazy because remember, even though it's free to fill out something, there is a cost and everybody knows that cost is that ugh, how many times will they contact me and 
And will I be able to get out of it later? And if they know too much about me. So like, you know, the more, the more fields we have, the, the more expensive that form is. So yes. like get, get whatever it takes to get the, you know, the easiest form, whether it's going to be texting or whether it's going to be email, um, just to get something from them. And then you can, you can do a trickle campaign, you know, like where you're, you know, whether you call it a funnel, like you just like start an engagement with them so that they'll give you a little bit more along the way. So, so would it be best is if you collect, say you collect this information, however it is that your church collects this information, would it be best then for you guys to sit back in a room on Monday or Tuesday after Easter Look at all the information and say, okay, how are we going to text them, email, or how are we going to call them? Would would a phone call be a good next step or follow up as opposed to a text or an email? Well, I think I think you want to have the minimum information and you want to have your plan before yes. you ask people for okay. that information. Because if you're waiting to get started thinking about this until after you've collected that information, you know, it's, you know, people get spring fever. Yeah. Pastors are exhausted. The youth groups getting ready to wind up for the summer that, you know, like wind up, meaning like they're getting ready to be busy. You know, all of this stuff is happening inside the church. And if you don't already have a plan in place, you're, that those people are going to fall through the cracks. Maybe yeah. one or two, you know, maybe some of them are going to get the full connection. But if you don't have a consistent follow-up plan already in place before you even gather that information, you're, people are, you're going to lose that connection. Yeah. And let's call a spade a spade too. On Monday after Easter, everyone is totally exhausted. It is not the time to try to figure out a follow-up plan at that point. Right. Right. Um, now as for what works best, is it a text? Is it an email? Is it a phone call? Um, I think one of the things that we all have to remember is everyone has their own preference for the way they prefer to be communicated with. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why you can't do just one of those things. Okay. You need to do multiple forms of communication and you don't need to do it all in the first week. (laughs) No. So <laughs> please don't. Um, which is why, you know, you know, at Text and Church, we talk about, you know, a follow-up process um, for a guest being around six weeks. Um, we have some people that have said that's that's too long for us. We do four weeks, but the majority of people actually do the six or even 12 weeks of follow-up. And I can talk a little bit about why that is later, but Um, that follow-up process being longer enables you to kind of slowly, like Mark was talking about drip, you know, kind of information and not just information, but conversation, um, encouragement, things like that in your communications via email, via text. Yes. Somebody should make a phone call, but be prepared to leave a message Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, you know, sometimes the pastor or somebody will say like, I really, I really like to make a phone call. I like to call all all of our guests, but chances are that person is not going to answer that phone if they don't know who's calling them. So you need to be prepared to leave a message. That's not bumbling and confusing. (laughs) Um, That's clear. Um, And you, and do all of those things over the course of several weeks. Yeah. And it's, it was interesting because a, a really good friend of mine uh, just started going to a new church, finally filled out his connect card. He, as he said, I, I took a deep breath and thought, okay, well, I'll fill it out just so that I'm now known. And that's one thing that we do know is that uh, people don't want to be uh, visitors until they want to be known as a visitor. Right. Yes. And, and the moment that they do fill out that form, Like he wasn't quite sure what it was going to do, but he knew it was going to activate something. Well, Tuesday night after he filled out his form on Sunday morning, uh, he had a deacon and two people from the youth department show up at his door 
with uh, an entire meal for his family, but they never let him know before before actually showing up at his door. Yeah. Oh no. And and so like you just people people are idiots sometimes. Like you just have <laughs> to you just have to think through like there was nothing positive about that experience with the church. So as he said, I don't know whether I'd fill out the connect card the next time. And and what we need to do is we need to make sure that everyone knows what the next steps are and that we get full permission to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like what you guys said here. Uh, just to highlight a few things real quick is like, Jeanette, I, I know that whenever somebody calls me and I don't I don't recognize the number, I'm not answering. So I'm, I'm putting right the voicemail. And, and so if you're going to follow up with a phone call, you have to be good with a, um, with a, with leaving a message. And that's totally appropriate because I do go back and listen to the messages or I look at on my iPhone, the, the transcript of the message or <laughs> right. whatever. Those are always fun. But um, Mark, I think the idea of that church going in and giving them food is a great idea. It's just like what you said, executed very poorly because then you just feel trapped there. You know, like if you're if you're the person and you're not communicating with, hey, maybe I don't need food or maybe I have food allergies or something like that. <laughs> right. You're, you're, you're not getting to know the people you're you're thinking you're doing something that you think is going to be good, but you don't actually know if it's going to be beneficial to that person or not. Absolutely. And Tom, I mean, we probably should just even take a step back further and and realize that if someone's visiting you for the very first time on Easter, they're probably not going to give you personal information. So, so what I would strongly urge every church that's listening uh, on any service, whether it's a big service like Easter or, or any other service, make sure that they know the trusted way to find out information about the church. And that should probably be their website. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm, I think that we've almost let uh, websites kind of go by the wayside where we don't really talk about them very much, mainly because most people don't really care what uh, domain you have, what URL. They will probably just Google your church. And sure enough, Google will probably serve up the website. If, you, if, they, if it doesn't, then you have bigger problems than what we could talk about today. <laughs> yeah. But but what needs to happen from the the stage and from everything like from guest services to any interaction that somebody has with uh, with a first time guest or even a regular uh, visitor, it needs to be stated that you can trust our website and that if you, if in doubt, just go to our website because things have changed and it used to be that everyone used to refer to the bulletin. It's like, yeah, if you look in your bulletin, you'll be able to see everything that's happening this week. Well, we're, most people have moved past that print material, and we just need to make sure that we have a great way for them to find out the information on their website. And then when they're on the website, that's probably where they'll, they'll go, you know what, I, I would like to uh, get some more information about something, or I would like to download a book, or I'd, I'd like to you know, get a PDF of something. And then that's where you can get some more of their personal information. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. We overlook the website, but really the website really needs to be updated with all the accurate information that's happening. And the worst thing to do is the, that you have a bad phone number or a bad email address or even a bad location or something there from like 2019. <laughs> it was the last time you updated it. You, you need to have your, your website really updated. Well, plus there needs to be, you know, what, what Jeanette and I have been talking about this whole, you know, drip campaign or what I like to call the relationship journey is like, know, know where they're possibly at when they arrive and then know where you want to take them. So if, if the membership goal is ultimately, you know, we want them to, to have a, a great relationship with Jesus Christ and be able to become a Christ follower uh, ultimately you want discipleship and you want them to become a huge evangelist and go out and, and tell the world, you know, that's, that's our ultimate goal. Well, it all starts with that single interaction that happens uh, on the campus. 
and then typically it moves to it some type of a digital entity and so on your website if you have a theme from you know uh of you know what you all are known for as a church or what what the theme of the easter presentation oftentimes when people go to the website after easter there's there's very little left of easter on their website because it's 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 expired or it's from the previous year Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is is that there needs to be that next step uh, clearly told in the service of if you go to our website, you can then do this. And then when you get to the website that is really clear on the homepage, that next step that can help them um, start moving towards uh, a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Jeanette, were you going to say something? No, I was just agreeing with Mark and laughter. Okay. Good. Um, oh, okay. So let, let let's do this. So, you know, we got about like ten fifteen minutes left um, here. What? Let, just let's kind of kind of bring. Let's land the plane. I was trying to think of the right phrase. <laughs> let's land the plane here. <laughs> As we kind of wrap up here, what what are some tips and encouragement that you would give that maybe you haven't shared yet? I'll let you go first, Jeanette. <laughs> Well, first of all, um, you know, if you want to know more about text and church, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to um, share about um, more about Easter follow up with you. But I think that as far as tips go, um, I think one thing, you know, that we did mention, but I just want to re, you know, circle back is you want to have a plan for follow up before Easter Sunday gets here and there's still time to do it. Yes. It doesn't take that long. And you don't, you know, even if you, you know, I mentioned this, like, you know, Mark and I mentioned this longer, you know, relationship journey, this building, you know, having conversation the six weeks, you don't even have to necessarily know everything you want to say for six weeks, but do a general map out of the, the important um, connection points that you want to make with someone. And, you know, I do agree with Mark where he said, you know, listen, if somebody's showing up for the very first time on Easter Sunday, they may not be ready to give you their information. But if you have something in mind and I, and Ryan Wakefield from Church Marketing University teaches um, this idea in his and um, some of his uh, trainings where, you know, you're prepared, you know, you have to give them a reason to come back and it doesn't need to necessarily be the very next Sunday. Um, and he talks about, you know, another very popular Sunday is Mother's Day. And so yes. inviting people for that or, or something like that. But, you know, I uh, spoke with a church um uh, in Lakeland Redemption Church in Lakeland, Florida this week and, and their communications. Actually, I don't know his title. He, he wears many hats like all of us do. But uh, Caleb Oliver from there was talking about they actually have planned out from now until Memorial Day everything that every Sunday and how it's um, basically inviting people back for each week. There's a relationship building service or event or gathering that people are being invited to Mm. with the idea that it's going to take all the way till Memorial day to know whether or not, you know, they're going to be tracking and, you know, keeping up with, you know, who comes back, who comes on Easter and it comes back for that second, third, fourth time all the way to Memorial day. And so I think the idea of planning is so very important. Um, you know, that's an extreme, very well planned out thing, but you can also just say, what are we, what are we inviting them back to? Yes. And why would they want to come back for week for next week or the week after? Um, and so I think that's important. And then, like I mentioned before, using multiple forms of communication, being consistent, um, in making sure that everybody is getting that follow up, and also making sure, um, you know, it's sufficient in the fact that you're doing it for more than just one week. <laughs> yep. Well, let me just jump on that. We, we do a thing every year um, where after Easter, we have we have a guest speaker share um, the week after. And it's, we try to get someone with a well-known name 
and again, we're a bigger size church, but we're, we're able to do that. Um, and we, it, we sometimes get more people to come back for that guest speaker than we do for Easter. Um, but again, then the thing is, what's next? You know, you always have to be thinking through what are you inviting them back to and how do you keep them engaged in, um, so that hopefully, ultimately, they're building community and they're coming to know the Lord as their Savior. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's a great thought, Jeanette. Mark, what do you got? So I just feel like the two of you have just dropped the mic because as <laughs> as I quickly pivoted and said, Jeanette, why don't you go first? I was thinking, <laughs> holy crap, what do I say? Uh, and the only thing that came to mind was start something at Easter. Like Easter mm. is... Easter is about resurrection. It's about life. It's about a new beginning. People are looking desperately for something new and, yeah. and just start something like get, get something started. It's not the end. And, and the, the, you know, the craziness of our communication world today is that oftentimes people will, will read something and say, so what, like yeah. what now? And, and oftentimes we have these Easter things and like we do up from the grave, he arose and like, <laughs> and then we finish and it's like, oh man. And then, and it's like, you're dismissed. And it's like, <laughs> it stops something rather than start something. And I mm -hmm. think that we need to make sure, and it's, it's really similar to what, um, what you guys were saying is, is, you know, it's just, it's like, have a plan, like really just have a plan, talk through it. I know that everyone is so incredibly tired going up to Easter. You're all overworked. You're underpaid. You're, you're to a point where it's just like, can we get it all done? Oh my goodness. It's gotta be done. And then it, it, it happens. And the thing is, is that it really can't be the end of your planning, be the beginning yeah. of your planning. Uh, I, I like I love what you just said there, Mark, actually, because uh, one of the things I like to do uh, on Easter is well, actually, this is what I do with like all my online Bible studies is that whenever I end a Bible study, I'm starting a new one and I'm inviting those people to continue the journey with me. And what you're just saying here is you're inviting them back to do something. And maybe it is a Bible study. Hey, if you're interested, a great way to follow up is, hey, if you're interested, come to um you know, this Bible study, whether it's an in-person one or an online one, and we're going to be talking about this and something that's relevant to the, the resurrection and the life of Christ that gives us, you know. And so I think those are some great ideas uh, right there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what you just said is is really just, you know, in the in the marketing communications world. I mean, I think we all understand that we have to look at the average person who's attending and what are their biggest needs, what are their biggest concerns, what are their biggest goals, and then how do we become a solution to the needs and concerns or a path to a goal? Mm -hmm. And then when we communicate what the thing is, we need to make sure that that not only do we say their name as the people that, that are listening to us, but we need to be able to speak their pain. But then ultimately, I mean, it's solutions to proclaim. I mean, it's just like one of those things where let me just give you a benefit or a solution or a path to a goal. And then people will go, you know what? I, I'm going to make time for the next, whatever you started at Easter. Yeah. Do the, yeah, I, I agree with you completely on, on that. So, well, guys, this has been awesome. Um, this has been great having you guys on and sharing. Uh, as we kind of just wrap up, how can people connect with you? What's a, what's a great way that they can connect with you, either online or email or whatever is best for you guys? I'm on Twitter at Jana Yates. Um, and, of course, you can also follow at Text and Church. Um, on Twitter as well. We're also over on Instagram. I'm over there. I don't know, which is, uh, well, I think Twitter is, I don't know. They're both you better great. say Twitter. <laughs> Twitter's, Twitter's my favorite. It's the easy peasy one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's how you can get in touch with me. And everyone needs to get in touch with Jeanette Gates. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
and Tom Pounder as well. If you don't know, like if you don't follow them on a regular basis, I enjoy their their posting and their interactions. And <laughs> I can't say enough good about them. And if you're looking for me, I'm I'm at most things. I'm Mark Mac 1023. It's my birthday, October 23rd. So Mark nice. Mac 10, 1023. Um, and then the easiest way to just get a hold of me, go to be known for something.com. And uh, you can even set up a, a totally free discovery call with me. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of opportunities as you look at through our drip on our website. Do, do I have to fill out 10 pages worth of information about this to, to get a free call? <laughs> I think I'm going to add to my forms. Are you a friend of Tom and Jeanette's? Yes. <laughs> and then if that they'll get priority. There, there you go. That's great. Tom, I know you're signing off, but I did, speaking of Twitter and how awesome it is, I did tweet at you just now yeah. um, that a Easter follow-up plan oh, that nice. people can download. So... It's completely free, so they can, if they want to check that out, it is an option. It talks about a lot of the stuff that we've already talked about here. Um, but I was like, hey, I actually, I, I know where I can find one of these, <laughs> one That's of these follow-up plans. <laughs> all right. Good. I'm going to include all this stuff, so that'd be great. So thanks, guys. I, re I really, really appreciate you guys taking time to spend with me on this April Fool's Day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Thank all right, you, Tom. guys. Th thanks a lot. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, so what did you think of the interview? What did you think of the ideas that we shared? There's lots of different ideas, lots of different thoughts about following up on Easter. But the great thing is about you can take the principles applied here and apply it into your every Sunday services. You can apply these follow-up principles all throughout the year. So I would love to hear from you. What did you think of this? What encouraged you? What challenged you? What gave you inspiration? Definitely put it in the comment section below or hit me up on Twitter at TA Pounder. I know Mark and Jeanette are on Twitter as well, and they would love to talk to you as well. I've got all their contact information uh, in the show notes, so you definitely want to check that out uh, today. All right, heroes. Well, thanks so much for being with me today. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, definitely go to iTunes or Spotify. Go to YouTube and subscribe to this. Uh, you can find this all at thechurch.digital as well. And at thechurch.digital, we have tons of different podcasts, tons of different resources, tons of coaching and cohorts that are available for you. So we would love for you to go to thechurch.digital today and get encouraged in your digital ministry. All right, heroes, well, I hope you have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week. And until next time, have a great one.